Well, good morning, Lindsley Avenue. It's good to see everyone back. Good to see some folks that have been sick a little bit for a while. Glad y'all are back. Glad to have visitors. And glad to have all of you here. We meet it when the front door says, all are welcome. So please, you're always welcome to come join us. If you're here this morning and you're facing potentially a time this next week of being cold, please don't leave until we have an opportunity to try to help. Uh, Janet, right here in the middle, I have a raise her hand every week. She will be the one to see and we'll see what we can do to help. We don't have a warehouse, but what we have, we're more than willing and happy and loving to share. We're also doing something else this morning. Uh, several people have been busy getting some food ready to put into slightly different to-go containers than we've used before of some Thanksgiving-ish kind of, of food. It has not been in the fridge since Thanksgiving. Don't worry about that. But if you're going to be where you might be hungry, we want you to leave with something. There's not enough for everybody. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, I'll find something for you. But if you're, if you're wanting to have something that will be nice and warm, uh, to eat here uh, this afternoon, please uh, hang around behind and we're more than happy to share again what we have. So uh, glad you're here. We have been studying uh, this month on something I call promises from the Advent. The Advent's a word that many times we don't hear very often. It simply means two words together that mean come to. Jesus came to the earth. So it's very, it's a very biblical concept, even if the word Advent is something that many people might shy away from using. Uh, that's never kept me from jumping right into something. So promises from the Advent. And we're in Luke chapter 2. So we've been looking at Luke chapter 2 this month and focusing on some of the things the angels said to the shepherds. Remember. When God's Son came into the world, the announcement was not made first to kings and queens. It was not made to the rich and powerful. It was made to those who were viewed more or less really as outcasts, untouchables, shepherds. Shepherds were always out in the field near the animals. They were not able to be cleansed from the religious people's point of view to approach God in the temple. They were always kind of suspicious characters. Let's face it, they probably smelled like sheep. And they did not hang around in places all the time. Those are the very people that God first told about his son entering the world. So what did the angels say? What promises can be found in what the angels said to the shepherds? I appreciate Howell having read what we've been reading all month, but look back at Luke 2. So far, we've had two weeks of this, and we'll read these first few verses. Fear not. They said, hey, don't be afraid. Uh, I'm going to be afraid. I'll promise you that. If an angel suddenly appears in the sky to me, we'll all be shaking in our boots. We're just like, it's all right. That's really what we're talking about. It's okay. Fear not, for behold, I bring you, look at this, good news great joy. We talked before in the last couple of months about the gospel, the good news. This is the beginning of the good news. And this good news was to bring great joy. If we're a follower of Jesus, how can we not be joyful? It's not that we're joyful when things are going the way we want. It's not that joyful when 
joyful things are happening. We're supposed to be full of joy. Why? Why is this great joy for all the people? For unto you is born this day. To you, the shepherds, and by extension, to all of us. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. When the angel appeared to Joseph and said, you will call his name, this child from the Holy Spirit that Mary is carrying, you will call his name Jesus. He's a Savior. What did the angel tell Joseph? You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people. From their sins. That's why Jesus is our Savior. He's born. He's a little baby over here. Did Jesus gurgle? Surely he did. All babies gurgle. He's a little baby, but he will become the reason we have hope. Because he is the one who will forgive all of us from our sins. So the first two, great joy and a Savior. Let's look at the third promise from the Advent today. Suddenly, there was with the angel a great multitude of the heavenly hosts. What does that look like? These shepherds have been kind of probably half snoozy out in the field with the sheep, and suddenly, right? This multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. That's what we're focusing on today. The third promise I want us to think about from the Advent is that this is going to bring glory to God. What does that mean? What does it mean when we read or when we say, glory to God? You know, sometimes people will say that when something good happens in their life. Glory to God. What does it mean? Let's look at that this morning. I'll give you a heads up. Next week, we're going to talk about peace on earth. We'll talk about what that really means. Right? What does that mean? But today, we'll get ahead of ourselves. Let's talk about glory to God in the highest. The word glory can have a number of different meanings. It means different things depending on where it is found. It can mean light and beauty. It can mean honor and majesty. It can mean worthy of praise or sometimes a combination of them or all of them at once. Look at the first one here, beauty and light. Going all the way back to Ezekiel. We don't usually read from Ezekiel. That's a shame. But Ezekiel, the first chapter, verse 28. The appearance of a brilliant light all around him was like that of a rainbow and a cloud on a rainy day. This was the appearance of the likeness of the Lord's glory. Ezekiel says, when I saw it, I fell all down on my face. There's a similar thought if you go to Revelation chapter 4, which we did in class a couple of weeks ago. The glory of the Lord shone all around them. The glory of the Lord can be this light. And Ezekiel sees it as if it's coming through clouds in a rainbow. We've had rainbow spectrums. Remember, we did that a couple of weeks ago. And one of our younger people found a spectrum over here on the window. We eventually found that it was coming through the keyhole, uh, you know, look through the door. Light hitting it in just the right way, put the rainbow over here. Well, God doesn't need a little prop like a keyhole. When God intervenes into history, when God makes an appearance, it's hard for us to even stand and face up. Ezekiel has to fall down on his face when the glory of the Lord was shining in and around him. 
It's really evident when we look at Matthew chapter 17. We talked about this some months ago, the transfiguration. To me, this is really one of the key points of the entire life story of Jesus. Because this is the real point where Jesus' divinity breaks into the reality of our world. This light, the Orthodox, the Greek Orthodox people call this the light of Tabor. Because that's where the transfiguration, this event happens on Mount Tabor. And they view it as really his physical skin that we all have. I mean, look at your hands for a moment. You're looking at your hands. We have, hopefully, skin on our hands. But that's not what Jesus was. He was human and divine. And in this point, his physical body cannot contain the reality of his divinity. And so it kind of breaks through out of his body. And it, all they can see is just this kind of blinding light. Look what happens here. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up into a mountain by themselves. We think, as I say, probably Mount Tabor, northern Israel. And he, Jesus, was transfigured. He was changed. He became something he had not been before in terms of the eyes of the apostles. And his face shone like the sun. And his clothes became white as light. The unbelievable, unfathomable, un, ununderstandable. How's that for a combination of un? Ununderstandable who he really is, who God really is, breaks through into our world through the flesh of Jesus. What an event. That's glory shining through. Jesus really is. And the apostles here see it. Later on, much later on, when Peter is an old man, he says, we were with him in the holy mountain and we were eyewitnesses. We saw it. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. His difference from anyone who's ever walked the earth before or ever will again. You look over in Revelation 21, near the end of the book of Revelation, we hear this sometimes at funerals. We should hear it more often than that. In talking about God dwelling with his people, Revelation 21, the city where the people will dwell does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it because look at this, very explicitly said, the glory of God is its light. And the Lamb is the city's lamp. It's, we hear that God is light, and many times that's in contrast to darkness, and we think God-like and sinful. That's not a bad comparison to make, but our senses, our reality, our existence cannot interact with, cannot comprehend, cannot deal with the difference between us and God. And whatever that does interact with our universe, light is often how it appears. Glory to God, many times described as light or beauty. But there's also another meaning of glory to God or glory that's in the New Testament. And in this case, this is a negative implication from it, but it's in Romans 3.23, for all. I'll stop for a moment. That's every single one of us in the building. That's everybody in Nashville, 
everybody in Tennessee, the United States, and the entire world who is alive at this moment, who has ever lived, all have sinned. Again, that's me. I'm going to point a finger and say, that's you. I pointed at myself first. That's me. That's you. That's everybody who has ever lived. All have sinned other than Jesus himself. All have sinned and fall short of what? The glory of God. To be in God's presence, to exist with God, whatever that's going to mean, none of us on our own can possibly be there, can possibly come into contact with that glory of God because we fell short the moment we decided to live for ourselves. The moment we said, eh, I don't care what God wants me to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. Remember the George Bailey? I'm going to do what I want to do. And that's where we would be. Separated from God, falling short of that glory of God, being in his presence, were it not for Jesus coming into the world and being born as a baby. significant event in human history and all of our lives it's the reason we have hope over in first peter chapter one reminding those who are followers of jesus knowing that you were ransomed knowing that you had the price paid to set you free knowing that you were set free how how was the debt for my sin paid how was the debt for your sin paid how have i been set free precious blood of Christ, the precious blood of Jesus. That little baby didn't stay a baby. Babies are all cute and cuddly, and they are. Jesus grew up, and as a man, went to the cross in my place. Should have been me dying for what I did. I should have had to pay the price. But it's as if Jesus said, I got this. This is why I'm here. You change your life and live for God. Then there won't be any of this responsibility for the sins you do. What an event. We were ransomed with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Jesus was sinless. Who through him, all of us, who through him are believers in God, who raised him, Jesus, from the dead, look at this, and gave him glory. God gave Jesus honor, raised him up on high, gave him majesty. He is seated at the right hand of God. He did not have that glory, did not have that majesty and honor and uniqueness. When he was walking the earth, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh and pitched his tent. That's what the language says. He lived here like you and I did. When he died, God raised him up and put him at his right hand and gave him glory, honor, and majesty above all others. And our faith and hope is in God because of what God did. God raised Jesus from the dead. God can, as it were, raise us from the dead by giving us life once again when we turn away from sin. We've been shouting a bit and singing 
That's a perfectly valid way of expressing thanks to God and giving glory to his name. Back in Psalm 66, shout for joy to God. When did we ever decide that the proper way to worship God was barely hardly even moving or singing or any of that kind of thing? We should be joyful because God sent his son to live and die so we wouldn't have to. Shout for joy to God all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Sing the honor, honor to his name. Sing about his majesty. Sing about his beauty. Sing about the light that he brings into the world. Give him glorious praise. We've been doing that. Mark, let us in songs today about glorify your name. Glory to God. Look at Philippians 1. Paul writing to church at Philippi, a small little church in northern Greece. Paul writing to the church at Philippi said, It is my prayer. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment, that you can grow, that you will become more of the people God wants you to be. How? So that you may approve, you may show what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Why? Why are we to live for God? Why are we to live doing things to help people? Why are we here to do good works? To the glory and praise of God. If you're doing something good, if you're doing a good work and people are honoring you, something's wrong. Something's wrong. It always needs to be give God the glory, not me. I'm a nobody who just happens to be important enough to God that Jesus died for. Give glory to God. His prayer was that you can become more and more knowledgeable about what God wants you to be, how you're supposed to live, so that you can be doing all these wonderful things for, look again, very end of the phrase, to the glory and praise of God. Now, the angels say, glory to God in the highest. In fact, praise is a part of glory. It's hard to have glory and glorify God without giving in the praise. Why is that? Well, a little technical here. The original word for glory is this Greek word doxa, D-O-X-A. That's where we get doxology, and Mark led us in that. When we sang the song, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, you heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, or Holy Spirit. That song is called some hymnals, some song books, the doxology. Ours says, praise God from whom all blessings flow. That very song of singing praise to God has been given the name of glory, glorify God. So we sing that here this morning. So what does it mean? What am I, this, this is all interesting, Gene. What does it mean? What, what do I do with this? What does it mean when one of the promises from the Advent is in addition to great joy, in addition to here's a Savior, glorify God, glory to God in the highest. What does that mean? What do I do with that? I think about these meanings that we've had, right? Light was the first one. You know, the light of, of shining from God as he shined down, so to speak, into the world. The, the light of Jesus as he's transfigured. 
Light reveals what is hidden. Light does. Most of us don't like it when power goes out or when we are in the dark. Now you hear people sometimes that they go to Mammoth Cave, they really freak out because they turn the lights off on them. Light reveals what's hidden. Well, we glorify God when we share the light we have found with others, when we tell other people about Jesus. And that light, remember the song? This little Christian light of mine. If you don't know that, let's just do it. Okay, we're going to sing it. Mark, don't hate to take your spot here. This little Christian light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hold your finger up. This little Christian light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little Christian light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine all the time. Let it shine. Now we're not going to go on. I'm not going to do the. Don't let Satan get out. That, right? For your kids. But it's really important. Don't put that light under a bushel. I always love the kids. They're waiting for that. Hide it under a bushel when the kids scream. Now! Don't hide your light under a bushel. The world is a dark place. The world needs the light of Jesus. How does that light get shared? How do people find the light if they're in darkness? They find it by you and me talking about Jesus and the change he's made in our lives. It's, it's been a challenge for me. I, I suspect many of us, we feel like it's an imposition or a problem if we talk about Jesus to people. It's like, I don't want to bother somebody. But there are times you can do it. I was in a auto repair shop, tire shop this week. And I was sitting and I noticed the guy next to me, had to wait a while, sitting, what, the guy sitting next to me was reading a book and it was a religious book. I said, oh, so I just started talking to him. What, what book is that you're reading? He told me about it. I said, would you mind if I take a picture of the cover? I got my phone out, took a picture. I said, I'm always looking for good things to read. And I said, and I always do this. I let sit there. Well, I attend an inner city church downtown. You see how easy that can be? It's, it's been a habit I've had to learn. It's not that difficult to talk to people about God. And so we ended up talking. It turns out he goes to church in Madison. I have his contact information. We're going to keep talking. Anytime you have the opportunity, whether you're eating someplace, you run into somebody, anybody you interact with, how about just starting to say on a day like today, isn't this a beautiful day God gave us? And if they grunt at you, talk to me about God did what you could. If it's a stormy day, if it's 10 degrees and there's 20 feet of snow, it's a little harder, but you know, you can always say, well, God sure looks like he loves snow today, doesn't he? I mean, you can always do that. Talk about God. Talk about Jesus. That is one way that we glorify God. Another way of glorifying God, honor. When you give honor to someone, you are putting God first, putting God above all else. You may glorify somebody who is in a position of power at a workplace, hopefully not in the way we glorify God, but you would put honor to that person. You would have honor to somebody potentially who is uh, in an office holder somewhere, or maybe a rich person, you know, Elon Musk or uh, Bill Gates, or somebody who's really, really rich walks in, we might give them honor and show respect. You might not, it's all right, but I mean, sometimes people do that. 
honor God, glorify God by putting him above everything else. Worship that we've been doing this morning. Worship is how we verbally put God first. When we sing to God, when we vocalize things to God, that is showing our honor to God by putting him above all else. But more importantly, perhaps, our day-to-day -day choices demonstrate where we put God in our lives, our priorities. Have I been honoring God this last week, the last few days, with where I've been making my choices? Have I been glorifying God with my life? No, only you and only God can answer that. But I want you to think about it. How do I honor God? How do I glorify God? Put God first. Put God first. The other meaning that I want us to take away about glory to God in the highest is majesty. Recognizing God as our Lord and King and making others aware of his power so that they will respect and follow him. That is showing God the respect, his majesty, and that is glorifying God. God is truly like no other. And if I show that in the way I talk, in the way I act, that is a way that we glorify God. So the angels, you notice this toward the end of their talking to the shepherds, they say, glory to God in the highest. Why are the angels praising God honoring God at this moment. Okay, Jesus is born over here. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a baby. Nothing, he's, he's not going to be doing anything for several years. What is the big, I, I was going to say hullabaloo, but that, that, I don't know if that's, what's, what's the big deal? Well, it's because God's eternal plan that he had in mind that he had formed before he ever said, let there be light. Before any of that, his eternal plan to save us from our own foolish, sinful choices has finally taken form. This is the first step. And the angels have been waiting, really, truly, you could say, forever for this to happen. It's happening right over there. It's finally here. He's been born. He's going to save everyone from their sins. And it happened with that newborn baby born over there in the manger in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago. That is an incredible promise from the Advent. Great joy. A Savior is born to us this day. And that will bring glory to God not only from the event, but from all of us living for God. Glory to God indeed in the highest. Will you glorify God today by living your life for Him? If you're not a member of God's family, we talk about this every week. I know it's a rush before we sing the invitation song, but it's important. Jesus said, He, unless you believe that I am He, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. He also said in Luke 13, I tell you, nay, no, unless you repent, you're going to perish just like all these other people did. And then in Mark 16, 16, he did say, he who believes and is baptized, who, who believes and is immersed, shall be saved. 
Jesus said it. Just do it. Just do it. And if you're already a member of his family, think again about how my choices this week, this month, this year, have they been giving glory to God or have they been giving kind of glory to me? Never too late to change path, to fix your course, to start walking back toward God instead of away from Him. That opportunity is yours right now. Give glory to God as we stand and sing.